admonition to the Jewish people on the concepts of reward and punishment. So then you will be rewarded. There will be rain, there will be prosperity, there will be abundant crops. You will enjoy security and happiness and peace. Then the Torah says, V'im b'chokei sa'ti mosu, V'im es mishpot ha'iti gal ma'ashichem, V'vilti ha'seis eskol mitzvay sa'i, V'hafrichem es brisi. So then all the qualities will result and will overtake you. So reward and punishment are the motives in Shmirat So the question is twofold. First, there is the discrepancy, the apparent discrepancy between what the Torah predicts by way of reward and punishment and the actual facts of life. The Torah says that if Jews will comply with the Torah, with the Torah then they, 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 all the blessings will be bestowed upon them. And if they will abandon the Torah, so all the curses will overtake them. But we find many Jews who have abandoned the Torah and who enjoy prosperity, peace and security. And on the other hand, we find many who bring sacrifices for the Torah and are subjected to all kinds of economic and physical <coughs> troubles and misfortunes. This is the first question. Then, the second criticism that is mentioned against the formulation of the Torah is that by basing admonition upon reward and punishment, the Torah thereby divests Shmirat HaMitzvot of, of a moral content. Because when the Torah says, observe the Mitzvot HaTorah in order that you should be blessed with prosperity and security, it means that there is no value in compliance with morality per se. But that runs counter to the whole Jewish concept of And the Rambam himself points out in, in Hilchash Jure toward the end Al Himarodam Pirikim Yoheshiva Lahale, 
אוהים הרודום הרי נעשה מצטטי רוב ועיסק בחוכמותו כדי שיקבל כל הברוכי יסתכסו בזבור אוי כדי שיסקל לחי אוהל מבור ויפחית מן האווירי שהזהיר אותירו מהן כדי שינותו מן הכל יסתכסו בזבחירו אוי כדי שיקור יסתכסו בחי אוהל מבור אינרו לעבד את השם על הדרך הזה שאוהבת על דרך זה ואוהבת מאירו ואין לי מלא סנבין ולא מלא סחכמים ואין לי מדשם על דרך זו אלא המאורץ והקטנים שמחנכים איסם לעבד מאירו So the Rambam says that Avedas Hashem on the grounds of fear is, is an approach that defeats the masses, the ignorant masses. He doesn't say ignorant masses, he says I'm the heart. That defeats the ignorant masses and children. But doesn't the Torah itself base its admonition chiefly upon the concepts of reward and punishment. How, how can the Rambam say that this approach befits only Amiorets and children? And then there seems to be an apparent contradiction in the Rambam himself. In Hilchas Tshuva as well as in Hilchas Yisrei the Rambam mentions that the ideal approach in Yerashamayim is not Yerashamayim But Yiratarimimus. Yiratarimimus goes hand in hand with Ava. Yiratarimimus is reverence. It means that a person should restrain himself, not because of a fear of a penalty that might overtake him as a, as a result of, of a violation, but because of a feeling of shame before Hashem to violate a commandment. But in, in Sefer HaMitzvah, when the Rambam discusses in Mitzvah Daled, the Mitzvah of Yisom Yilekecho, the Rambam says, Shenitztavinu liro meyon shei ulipochid mimenu. Shidei shalonech. So we thus see that Yerat Ha'inesh is an integral part of the mitzvah of Yerat HaMalakah. Now, as to the first question, as to the discrepancy that there is between the reward and punishment mentioned in the Torah and the actual facts of life, This is something that has been raised throughout the generations. And even the Nevi'im raised this question. This, is, this, this represents the old question of Tzadik Viraloi and Rosh How can we reconcile the concept of Shavenesh, which is so fundamental in the Jewish faith, with the actual fact of life of wicked people who prosper and righteous people who suffer. Now Kehelis raised the same question and Kehelis gave a partial answer to this question. Not a complete answer, but a partial answer. Kehelis says in chapter Gimel, 
to Zion and you Zion. Vedro Yisi Tachat Hashemesh, Mikim Hamishpot Shomo Horesha, Umikim Hatzedek Shomo Horesha. He always complains that under the sun and this earth, in the place of judgment, there is so much wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, there is so much iniquity. In other words, we don't see any punishment for the wicked and a real, real reward for the righteous. So then Kohelet presents a partial answer. That's not the complete answer yet. I said in my heart that the righteous and the wicked, Almighty God, will judge, for there is a time for every purpose and for every work. What does it mean? It means, too, in this world they do not see any real punishment for the wicked and real reward for the righteous. But this physical existence of ours is only part of our total existence. And the full reward and the full punishment is yet to come. True. Tahas Hashemesh. So, Mikim Hamish Pochomoresha, Mikim Atzedek Shomoresha. The wicked are not, do not get the retribution they deserve, nor do the righteous receive the reward that is to be bestowed and was upon them and that was promised to them. But that will be realized in another cycle of human existence. Now this, as I said before, is only a partial answer to the question. It does not answer the first question fully because the discrepancy is still there. For the Torah, in Parshe Bechikesai, does not speak of any reward and punishment <coughs> It speaks in so many terms of a reward and punishment Where is the reward and punishment for the righteous and the wicked? Now the answer to this question is intimated in the Perusha Mishnah of the Rambam in Sanhedrin. And it is expressed very poignantly by Chuva Saraj. Now we say in the Yud Gimelikrin, Iker Yud, Animamim be Munoshlimo, Shabere is Borachme, Yudea Komasiv Niodom, the Homachevesom, Shenema Hayetsa Yahad Libom, Hamavin of Komasi. Then Iker Yudalis, Animamim be Munoshlimo, Shabere is Borachme, Gimotiv, the Shame Remitresov, Umani Shlave Remitresov. It seems on the surface that these two, Ikorim, given to the one and the same concept. What does it mean? Now, these Ikrim were propounded by the Rambam. I don't know whether this is the Russian of the Rambam, but they are based upon the Yudhimul Ikrim of the Rambam. Now, when we say, It doesn't only mean that God is omniscient, God knows. 
that God is omniscient, he knows what people do, all their doings and all their thoughts and all their plans and devices, comes within the first Ikea. So that implies that God was, he was not only the creator of the world at a certain time, as the days say, no, but God is not only a baby, he is also a manik. That includes omniscience and, and the fact that God knows, is aware of all the deeds of men. So why do we have to say again, when this is just a reiteration of the first Ika. This is part and parcel of belief in the personal God. The answer is that Yedea does not mean only he knows. Yedea means that he takes an interest. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that God said he knows he knows Abraham of course he knows Abraham but I have a special interest in Abraham why? because God takes an interest not only does he know but he takes an interest in the deeds of men and in all their thoughts and devices so this this Ikea gives vent to the principle of Ashkocha Tvotis. Or, of Ashkocha, I shouldn't say Ashkocha Tvotis. Ashkocha, in a general way. Now, what does it mean, Ashkocha? That God, God takes an interest. How is the interest manifested? How? By rewarding the righteous and punishing the, the guilty, the wicked, so, the Ika Yudalef embraces the concept of Shravenesh. That's, that's the gist of Ashgoth. So, why do we say again, in Ika Yudalef, Anima Amin Bemuna Shreimo, Shabere Yizvorach, Mei Gemu Tiz Lishemre Mitreisov, Umanish Leivre Mitreisov? This is already included in Ika Yudalef. The answer is, in Ika Yud, the answer is, that there are two kinds of Ashgochas in regard to men. There is Ashgocho Clovis and there is Ashgocho Protis. Now, if you look up the Perusha Mishnah, so you'll see that the Rambam, in each care, he cites Sukim which substantiates the Iki. Now, in Ikayud, he mentions all the Psukim that deal with the penalty that God meted out against the Biramabu and against Doim Vameo and against the Jews in the time of the whole whom by In Ika Yudalef, the Rambam cites Sukim which in a general way uh, alludes to Shavenish Beiramabo. In other words, Ika Yud deals with Ashkocha Klovis. Ika Yudalev deals with Ashkocha Klovis. Now there is a twofold responsibility. 
incumbent upon each person. First, every person is responsible as an individual for his deeds. And then, as I mentioned two weeks ago, that a person is not only individual, he is a link in his generation. He is a member of the general community of mankind. And he is an avery limb in the organism, the collective organism of his people. So he also has a communal, collective responsibility. And God holds him responsible in a twofold capacity, as an individual and as a member of the community. The Hashgoche Klolis, first there is Hashgoche Protis, and there is then a Hashgoche Klolis. Mikayu deals with Hashgoche Klolis. This is the reason why the Rambam mentions the Psukim that have reference to Zdein Vameiro and to the Deir Amabo. In the Deir Amabo, so the punishment was meted out to all of mankind in a collective way. But man is also responsible as an individual. As an individual, so the reward, the main reward and punishment is realized, not Beilam but Beilam this is what our sages mean when they say Schar Mitzvah's Baha'i Al-Melech The Rajbo was asked in one of the children How can Chazal say Schar Mitzvah's Baha'i Al-Melech And that mainly it is realized Be'elam When the Torah so, on so many numerous occasions Makes reference to Einish Be'elam To hunger, to warfare, to strife, to insecurity to all kinds of, of physical and material misfortunes and only in a general way the Torah makes reference to So the Rajbo so answers that when Chazal says they have reference to, to the Shavayinish of Yochit that is primarily realized by but the Shavayinish of the Tzibur, of the Collective, is exclusively realized by Elam Hazi. Now these are the two Ikar, Ikayud and Ikayudal. Now, when we glance through the Psukim in the Teichache, whether it's the Teichache of the Chikesai or the Teichache of, 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 of Kisovel, so, Without any exception, we see that the Torah addresses itself not to the individual, but to the community, to the people. The Kholes are issued against the collective. The Broches are promised to the collective, to the people. What does the Torah say? In the Chokesha Galeichu, Ves Mitzvei Saitishmiru, Vasisemeisam, so then we not sati gishmichem beitom. There will be rain. We not snow. Or at hivulo, we just have to eat in pirei. There will be abundance of food and the profusion of crops. We see kochem daishes botzol, botzol yashikezora. And the sowing will overtake the harvesting. 
Wir halten Lachmachen Prosperity. Wir halten Lachmachen Moseva. Wir schaffen Lachmachen. There will be peace and security in the Sati Scholenboret. Wir schaffen die Machid, wie Bate Chairo und Noret. Wir schaffen die Salve, wie Bate There won't be any warfare. There won't be any strife. All these blessings are blessings that will overtake the Tibur. Of course, when the Tibur is blessed, so the Yochid indirectly benefits thereby. But it is a blessing that is bestowed upon the Jewish people as a community. And then, on the other hand, so then you'll be overtaken by war, by strife, by insecurity, general insecurity. It's not individual insecurity. And by all kinds of calamities that will affect the community at large. And the Torah also says, as one of the curses, and maybe this is the chief curse. So that is also a curse that affects the Jewish community at large, rather than the individual Jew. Because individual Jews can still lead the life of Dusha, in spite of hope, in spite of Goleth. We thus see that the reward and punishment mentioned in the Teichache are all aimed at a Tzibur, not at a Yochid. Now, this answers the first question fully as to the apparent discrepancy that there is between the reward and punishment mentioned in the Torah and the actual fact of life. There is no discrepancy. True? Yesh Sadiq Viralei, Yesh Roshavitevlei. There are many righteous people who suffer, who are subjected to all kinds of misfortunes and troubles. There is a Rabchamine Ben Deisi, who only has a Kafruvin, the Arab Shabbos, the Arab Shabbos. But it is true that when Jews as a community comply with the mandates of the Torah, then they are rewarded with all the rewards mentioned in the Torah. And when mankind abides by the mandates that are incumbent upon, upon mankind, so then mankind in its entirety will be blessed. If the New York community in its entirety had complied with its mandate, then the people of New York would not be subjected to, to a feeling of insecurity at all hours and all of the day and of the night. Now, this proposition also resolves the second criticism that was mentioned against the Tehachah, namely that the Torah, by basing its, its, its admonition upon the concepts of reward and punishment, thereby divests the Mitzvah Torah of any moral context and 
turns the same into a commercial transaction. A contract, a business contract. If you observe Shabbos, you observe Tarat HaMishpoche, you observe Kivutavim and Soke, then you'll be blessed with all the blessings. If not, you'll be cursed. It's a business transaction, they say, the critics. But the answer is, if the blessings and the curses mentioned in, in the Chukesai had been directed against the individual, then the critics would be right. Then the Mitzvah Torah would be divested of any moral content. But they are not directed against Jews as individuals. They are directed to the Jews as a community. And the motive of Chaveinesh in compliance with the, with the Torah, the motive of Chaveinesh for the Tzibor in complying with the Mitzvah Torah not only does not diminish the significance of the Mitzvah Torah, but on the contrary, it elevates the Mitzvah Torah to the highest degree. Because when the Torah says, in the case of the Mitzvah Torah, the Mitzvah Torah says, the Torah says, in effect, if Jews will comply with the Torah, then I do not promise you that each and every individual Jew will be blessed with prosperity and security, with health and long span of life. No. There might be many righteous Jews who, in spite of all the sacrifices that they will bring, in spite of their dedication to the Torah, will be overtaken by misfortune. On the other hand, there will be many wicked people who, have who will abandon the Torah, who will fail to observe Shabbat, who will not comply with Tarat HaMishpacha, who will not give Zaka, who will not comply with all the mandates of the Torah, and who will be blessed with certain blessings of Elam And no individual person, Jew or non-Jew, can say that if I act in accordance with the law of God, I will be happy and secure and fortunate. No one can say that. And we find that when the friends of Eov admonished Eov, when they said, that no innocent person ever was subjected to a misfortune, thereby intimating that Eev's Yisurim were a result of sin and transgression. So Hashem, Hashem admonished them. He condemned them for making such a remark. Hashem did not condemn Eev for uttering blasphemous remark while he was afflicted with so much Yisurim but he condemned the friend for making the remark that, that his, his misfortune was due to his sins. Why did God condemn them? Because this, this remark of the friends of Eos constituted a falsification of the whole Jewish Ashkoff. There is no such Ashkoff. That if somebody suffers, 
it must be an account of the fact that he is wicked. No. There are wicked people who prosper and there are righteous people who suffer. And if the facts of life had been that righteousness is unavoidably and automatically followed by blessing and wickedness and sin are unavoidably and automatically followed by retribution, then there wouldn't be any freedom of will. Who would dare to commit a crime if he knew that immediately following upon, upon the, bur the act of burglary, his hand will wither? Who will dare to be Michal Shabbat if he knows that immediately following an act of Hill Shabbat, he will faint? And if there will not be any freedom of will, then there will not be any, any purpose in human existence. The only reason as to why human life has a purpose is because many three, because of Rishus Nisuna. That could not create the world and manipulate the vicissitudes of life in such a way so that crime would automatically be followed by retribution and sin would automatically be followed by blessings. No, God could not do that. That would frustrate the purpose of creation. That would divest men of his freedom of will. So God says in the Teichachet, So you as an individual might still suffer, and certain wicked people as individuals might still prosper, but the Jewish people in its entirety will be blessed. There will be rain, there will be prosperity, there will be security, there won't be any warfare. The Shechina will be, will prevail among them. But if, in the case of the Mosul, in the Mishpot, I think on Afshechem, we will be as Jesus called Mitzvahisai, we have to come as Brisi, then there might be many individuals who will be very fortunate, who will be very wealthy and powerful and influential and successful. But, the Jewish people in its entirety will suffer. The Jewish people in its entirety will be overtaken by calamity. And that has been fulfilled. Not even one iota of the Tehachet failed to be realized. Unfortunately. Now, this motive of reward and punishment for the collective. Elevates mitzvahs to the highest level. It elevates mitzvahs, it elevates morality to the highest altruistic level. Because when a Jew is motivated by the Shavah of the Torah, He's not motivated by personal gain. He knows that he himself as an individual might, be, might live all the days of his life in an impoverished state. He knows that he as an individual might be afflicted with sickness. As many good and noble people have been. He knows all that. But he does it in order to enhance the welfare of mankind in order to enhance the welfare of his people. Is that a motive that is based upon a commercial transaction? No, on the contrary. 
it is the sublimest altruistic motive that one could entertain in compliance with morality. Now, we can very well understand as to why the Torah linked the formulation of the commandments dealing with the sabbatical year and the year of Jubilee right before the discussion of the Teichach. We find that the Chazal say at the beginning of the Ha, in connection with the Pasig by Dabir Adishem al Meshab Hafinai Lemeir, Mining and Shmitei to Hafinai, Valikola Mitzvah Nemro Misinai, Elamashmit Nemro Koliseo, Protiseo Vidikero Misinai, Askur Nemro Koliseo Misinai. The reason as to why Hafinai is mentioned in connection with Shmitei is to advise us that just as the, the Mitzvah Hashmitei was was revealed to Moshe with all its details this night, so all the other commandments of the Torah were revealed to Moshe this night. Now, this proposition that all the mitzvahs at all were revealed this night was already mentioned at the end of Mishpati. When the Torah says, It was needless for, for the Torah to mention that all the commandments of the Torah were revealed by Hashem to Moshe. Why then did the Torah have to reiterate this proposition in connection of the Mitzvah Shemitah? Apparently, the mitzvah shmitah are reflective of the whole Torah. And the Torah was not interested in advising the Jews that the mitzvah Torah revealed at Sinai, but rather to give us the reason as to why Hashem found it necessary to, to tell Moshe all the laws of the Torah in detail. Why couldn't it have to been left over to the Jews themselves to decide upon the potim, upon the details? The answer is that man himself is naturally induced to believe that That morality is one's private domain and that no other person should interfere with the mouths of another person. No one person should interfere with the mouths of another person. Now this concept is very popular in America. The most popular maxim, maxims in America are two. One is mind your own business and the second one is take it easy.
Now, this, this fondness of the concept of mind your own business has reached such preposterous dimensions in America that, that unfortunately, we are faced with such grim facts that a woman might be stabbed and might scream so that many people hear her screaming and no one tries to save her. Unfortunately, we are confronted with a situation where a girl runs out and she screams that she was raped and 40 people pass by and no one does anything to, to save her. Why? It's because of the popularity of this maxim. Mind your own business. Whose business is it? A woman was stabbed, it's her business. A girl was raped, it's her business. It's nobody's business. Now, why is this maxim wrong? At first blush, it seems, that American youngsters who are so fond of this maxim, mind your own business, are very right. After all, this seems to be in, conform in full conformity to the concept of freedom. Why should one person mind somebody else's business? The answer is, if there had been such a thing as one's own business, then they would be right. Then no one should mind the other's, the other's business. Then morality should be a private domain. Morality, religion, everything. Whether one believes in God, doesn't believe in God. Should be a private domain. No one should make an attempt to interfere with the other's demeanor. But the trouble is that there is no such thing as one's own business. Every act that a person does, nay, every thought that a person entertains, affects the life of every other person. Some acts affect the lives of other persons more, some acts affect the lives of other persons less. But every act of one person affects, affects the, the life of every other person. This is the reason as to why we cannot comply with, with the maxim of mind your own business. Now, the Torah mentioned the laws of Shemitah. And it reiterated that the law of Shemitah was revealed by God at Mount Sinai to Moses in order to advise us that just as the laws of Shemitah cannot be considered as a private matter simply because the laws of Shemitah affect the economic structure of the community. So all the laws of the Torah are important and had to be revealed by the Atomos and could not be left over to the discretion and the, and the intelligence of the human beings because there is no act in there is no individual act that does not affect the life of other human beings. Mashmito nemru kloviseo protiseo vizikseo misnai just as the laws of Shmito had to be revealed, it could not be left over to, to the individual person because then we would be confronted with a state of laissez-faire where one person would tend to swallow up the other. So also, all the other dimensions in the domain of morality are not private matters, but they affect the life of the community. True, the laws of Shemitah affect the economic structure more than other laws. So it's a question of degree. And, and because of the fact 
that the law of Shemitah, a violation of the laws of Shemitah, affects, affects the economic structure of the Jewish community more than other violations, the Torah mentions in connection with the Teichachet, or still Seoret Shapsiseo, we raise the question, why Shemitah more than any other violation? Not because the violation of Shemitah is more serious than the violation of Shabbat. No, but because the, the punishments mentioned in the Teichachet are punishments that are meted out against the Tzibur, not to, to individuals. And the violation of the Shemitah affects the structure of the Jewish community more than some other violation. But Shemitah is mentioned at the beginning of Behar as a mitzvah that had to be revealed with all its details, Sinai, and could not be left over to the discretion of human beings as, as an example for all other laws. Now, this is one answer as to why the Torah had to, had to base its admonition upon the concept of reward and punishment. And the answer is because the motive of reward and punishment for the collective is, an, is a very sublime motive. It's an altruistic motive. But there is another answer. The other answer just complements this now I mentioned the apparent contradiction that there is in the Rambam between the Rambam in Perikyud Mil Cheshuvah Alok Halev where he says V'nevdim Adishem al Derazer Amiyoret Sanoshim Vachtani Shemechanchin Eisom Lavit Miro and and the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvah Mitzvah Daled where he says Shenitztavinu Liro now there is a Gemara in Megillah one who trembles and he doesn't deal even though he himself is not aware why he trembles he doesn't know why but his mother sees there is a reason for his tremble his mother sees what should he do let him recite Krishna Suppose he's standing in a place that is not very clean. He cannot recite Kriyashma. So let him say, or he will say, Ye goats of the slaughterhouse, get away from me. Now what does this mean? Now there are many people who keep on trembling. They are afraid. 
They don't know why they are afraid. They don't know why they are afraid. They are afraid of something. So even though they themselves don't know, and the reasons they ascribe for being afraid appears to be so fantastic that it couldn't be real, so then he chose that his model does know. Now what does model mean? Model means something that is hidden. It means consciously he does not know, but he's, he's unconscious. There is a reason for it. His model sees. He's afraid. So what should he do? He should read Kriyashma. But if he's, if he's not standing in a pure and a clean place, he cannot recite. He's not capable of reciting Kriyashma. So then he should say, he's a debitapchesh mine minoy. Now we all know, all every modern psychologist and psychi psychiatrist will tell you that. I don't think that there can be any controversy over, over this matter. That fear is an unwholesome emotion. Fear extracts a considerable toll from the human organism, from the human soul. As Roosevelt says, there is nothing as bad as, as fear, and one should be afraid only of fear itself. Still, we see that in our, in our prayers, and Reish Hashanah and Yom Kippur, when a Jew gives vent to the highest ideals that in here in Yadus, we are not ashamed to say, and Pachad, you see, Yiro has two meanings. Yiro can mean Yirafrenesh, then it is fear, and Yiro can also mean Yirafrenesh. Now, the Rambam says that one should not be motivated by Yirafrenesh, but by Yirafrenesh. We hope that the day will come when all of mankind will be overtaken by Pahat before God. When, when fear and, and trembling will overwhelm them. And as a result, they'll kneel down to God. But fear is an unwholesome emotion. Why should, he, should we aspire to the day when all of mankind will be overtaken by an unwholesome emotion, an emotion that extracts such a heavy toll from people. Psychiatrists tell us that fear tends to frustrate and inhibit the person. Why aspire for such a calamity? The answer is, if emotion of fear could be avoided completely, then Jews throughout the generations wouldn't aspire to the day when mankind would be overtaken by the emotion of fear. Even an emotion of fear that is directed toward God. Because even fear toward before God it tends to extract it all from human beings. Even fear before God tends to frustrate the human beings. It tends to, to inhibit him. By Yiratainesh, but by Yiratarimus. Yiratarimus does not even come within the term of fear. 
Ja, da muss ich werfen. Nach vier. Wird Pachat? Mein Sie hat's nicht. Pachat gerade mein Jiraterin. So we say that we hope that the day will come when all of mankind will be overtaken by Pachat before God. When, when fear and, and trembling will overwhelm them. And as a result, they'll kneel down to God. But fear is an unwholesome emotion. Why should, he, should we aspire to the day when all of mankind will be overtaken by an unwholesome emotion, an emotion that extracts such a heavy toll from people? Psychiatrists tell us that fear tends to frustrate and inhibit the person. Why aspire for such a calamity? The answer is, if emotion of fear could be avoided completely, then Jews throughout the generations wouldn't aspire to the day when mankind would be overtaken by the emotion of fear. Even emotion of fear that is directed towards God. Because even fear toward before God, it tends to extract it all from human beings. Even fear before God tends to frustrate the human being. It tends to, to inhibit him. But that is impossible. Roosevelt can say a thousand and one times, the only thing that you should be afraid is fear itself. But saying it will not avoid any fear. Fear will come, no matter what you do, no matter what you undertake to do, no matter how courageous you are and how brave you are, you will be overtaken by fear. And even if consciously you realize there is nothing to be afraid of, but you will be afraid, you will be trembling. So Gemara says, hi, man, one trembles, so many people tremble, who doesn't tremble, everyone trembles. Everyone. Some tremble, at least they know why they tremble. But some, they're so intelligent, they realize that it doesn't make sense to be afraid of this and of that. It doesn't make sense to be afraid of sickness because if one will be overtaken by sickness, it will be overtaken anyway. And, and this fear of being overtaken by sickness will not avoid the sickness. On the contrary, it might taste the sickness. So he's not consciously laboring under the impact of fear, but unconsciously, something bothers him. He'll be, tra- he'll be afraid. He's afraid of something. Unconsciously, there is a reason for it. Might accounting, so there is on accounting. To comply with the advice of psychiatry, namely that he should try to eliminate all fear, including fear of God, that's impossible. Because if a person decides to eliminate, el- eliminate all fear, all kinds of fear of Einish, including Girat Einish before God, that's impossible. So the result will be, he'll conjure up if he complies with the psychiatrist's advice. So, consciously, he will not be afraid. He'll not be afraid of real dangers. But he'll be afraid of imaginary dangers. He'll be afraid of ghosts that keep on jumping there and there. 
He'll conjure up all kinds of demons. All kinds of masikins. He'll be afraid. Then it'll be much worse. Of course, psychiatrists like to give this kind of advice. Because, because when a person conjures up imaginary sources of fear rather than real sources of fear, so that enhances the fear of the psychiatrist. <coughs> Magnificently. But it doesn't cure them of the maladies. It multiplies the maladies. True fear, real fear, fear that stems from a real soul. Extract the hairy toe from the human being. It tends to frustrate him. But the fear that stems from an imaginary soul frustrates the human being so much more. So, Haimalimimas, if one labors under the impact of fear, so then it's Mazoli Jose. So, Maita Kante, what should he do? Mitre Kriyashma. Now, Gimora tells us in Broches that a certain Amire met an acquaintance of his in the street. So he saw that he was trembling. So he asked him, so he said to him, You are trembling, that means that you sin. Only a sinner trembles. So he asked him, But it's written, Fortunate is the person who keeps on trembling. So he answered, What does it mean? True. Trembling is, is, is unwholesome for the human organism. It extracts a heavy toll from the human being. It tends to frustrate him. But that's unavoidable. Every person must tremble. Either he trembles on account of imaginary sources of fear, so then he labors under the impact of numerous and multifarious sources of fear. Or he decides to tremble before God. That will also extract the heavy toll from him. But at least this kind of fear will eliminate all the other fears. There will be only one fear. That's all. Fortunate is the person who labors under the impact of one fear. Fortunate is the person who trembles because of a year after age before God. Now you know the story, story that is told about Rabbi Yitzhak Badichev. That Rabbi Yitzhak Badichev once saw a Jew who was about to commit an aver. Something that is forbidden. So... He wanted to steal. So Rabbi Yitzchak Badichev, all of a sudden, and the, 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 the Jew, not expecting it, he started to scream, Oh, there is somebody looking! So the Jew got scared. So he said, Who is looking? He says, I am Rey of Eisenshamas, from the book. Now that also has expected it all. It inhibited that Jew. It frustrated him. But this fear eliminates all the other fears. Now, so what should he do? Might I come to Likre Krishna? It doesn't mean the lip service. 
that is involved in reciting Krishna. It means that he should try to live up to all those concepts that are implicit in the parish of Krishna, of Kabbalah to Malchus The coin be Mokimat and but suppose he is submerged in a filthy place. He cannot elevate himself to the level of dedicating himself to the concepts that are implicit in the parish of Krishna. What do we do then? What do we do then? He'll do something. So then he'll conjure up imaginary fears. What do we say? He'll conjure up fears about demons and about goats. Goats whose place is the slaughterhouse and they keep on jumping in the air, they keep on attacking him. He'll, he'll conjure up all kinds of sources of fear. Fears of walking, fears of invasions, fears of insecurity, fears of sickness, all kinds of fears. But if there is the fear before God, then there is no fear of insecurity, there is no fear of sickness, there is no fear of walking, there is no fear of invasions, there is only one fear. That fear too will have it all upon the human being. But at least it will be a, a fear that stems from a real source, not a fear that stems from imaginary sources. Now, we have to concede, and this is what the Rambam means, that fear even, I mean, when I say fear, I mean Yerasheinish. Yerasheinish, which cannot be designated by the term fear, but by the term reverence. Fear, even the fear, even fear before God, is unwholesome. It's true what psychiatrists say. It tends to inhibit the person. It tends to frustrate him. But, that's unavoidable. We have to choose between two alternatives. Even a sphere that stems from in innumerable imaginary sources or a sphere that stems from one real source, fear before God. If we want to know why, why is the spiritual and moral status of mankind today so grim? If we want to know why people in New York are confronted with the fear that they live in a jungle? So the answer is because there is no fear before God. There is no Yeratainesh. There is no Yeratainesh. But fear in human soul is so natural, it cannot be avoided. So if it is not, if the human heart is not filled up, with fear before God, then it must be replaced by some other fears. So we aspire to the day when all of mankind will be overtaken by this unwholesome emotion. But this unwholesome emotion will be directed unto God when fear will overtake all the creatures of God and when the awe before God will overwhelm all those that God created. And when everyone will be afraid of God. And then all the other fears will be eliminated. Then people will be afraid. They'll be afraid of dying the end of the Isaac This is an unwholesome emotion. This is not the ideal state towards which we are aspiring. But this is a necessary means towards the ideal state. It is an indispensable means, 
after this parade before God will come the Yirat Aremus. Then will come the Rechim Sadikim Yirovis Mocho, the Yishorim Yalezu. Now, when the Rambam says that that Yirat Aremus fear before God befits only Amioret, Noshim and Ktanim, the Rambam is not trying to express contempt and scorn for the concept of Fear. It's an unwholesome emotion, it's true, but it's a natural emotion. God created man in this way, that he should be overwhelmed by fear. He should be prone to the emotion of fear. And he has to be trained so that this unwholesome emotion will be sublimated to the highest parts. Fear is an evil, but it's a necessary evil. No human being can mature without this feeling of Pahat. And look what the Rambam says. He says, he doesn't say that this should be avoided. This is the Mitzvah Torah. To train children so so as to inculcate into their heart this, this feeling of fear before God, you You can't train a child with your Yerotainus. Child can't understand the sublime significance of Yerotainus. And every human being, I mentioned already once, must, even the, a grown-up and the most mature person, must retain within his soul a touch of childhood. Because when a person passes from infancy into childhood and from childhood into adulthood, it, he, he must retain some of the childhood within him. If he doesn't, if he tries to jump over childhood, then he remains maladjusted. Then he'll never be mature. Then he'll come up imaginary sources of fear. We say you because unfortunately mankind has not been trained in the past in this Yeratoinesh before God. Hence their emotional and moral immaturity. Hence, hence all the innumerable sources of fear instead of one universal fear before God. So we aspire to the day when mankind will understand that in order to counteract the animal instinct that rage within men, so we must inculcate this emotion of fear before God, this unwholesome emotion, so that that will, will, retake, will eliminate all the other fears. And this, this, this emotion that befits Ktanim, but every human being must pass 
through all the natural experiences of the cotton. If he doesn't pass through all the natural experiences of the cotton, he'll remain a cotton throughout his life. He'll always remain immature. We must train them in these emotions that befit children, because unfortunately mankind in the past has not been trained in these childhood emotions. But if we do train mankind in this unwholesome emotion for some time, then we'll be able to hope for the coming of the day when even this fear will disappear, then there won't be Yiratoremimos, then there will be Ufrein Sadikim Now this is the reason, this is the second reason as to why the Torah emphasizes reward and punishment. First of all, the reward and punishment is, is not the reward and punishment of the Yochid, but of the Tzibor. And then, even the reward and punishment of the Yochid is very important. True, it's not the ideal kind of hero, but it is an indispensable means towards the attainment of the ideal kind of hero. This is what the Rama says. Even that is not the ideal goal. Even the motive of reward and punishment for the collective is not the, the most ideal and sublime goal. The most ideal and sublime goal is Asei Mitzvah to do that which is right because it is right. Not because it will attain prosperity for all of mankind. Not because it will attain prosperity, peace and security for my people. But because it is right. To refrain from what, from what is wrong. Because it is wrongful. Not because it might lead to a calamity for the community at large. But because it is wrongful we have to avoid it. Oi kideshe eskele In the motive was chaveine. The motive of Chaleinish for the Yochid, Le'elam Abo, is not the ideal motive. V'yesfris na'averi she'izir otero men k'dish enosum la'koris aksuiz batero o'ikdish lo'ikoris m'chayim Abo. That's not the ideal motive. E'in ro'la v'za shema der hazeh. She'o'evit al der hazeh u'evit mi'iro. But evit mi'iro is not in Roma Drege. The Rambam only says, V'eino ma'la samvim v'lo ma'la t'chachomim. The chachomim who have already gone through this stage of Yiro. They are able to be motivated by Yerasharimus. But before you can become motivated by Yerasharimus, you must pass through a training in Yerasharimus. All right, that's the end.